celebrities, athletes, musicians, influencers, CEOs, entrepreneurs, business owners, experts, politicians, and philanthropists. Welcome to Interviews with Arizonans. Thought-provoking and revealing conversations with Arizona's most interesting and influential people. With your host, founder of Phoenix Homes and Hotspots and Alpha Whale Productions, Todd S. Hall. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode one um, this is uh, this is an exciting day because this is a project I've been working on for a couple of years now, and I have a really exciting guest um, with me. So if you have kids, if you um, if you're uh, somebody that just wants to make sure that they have uh, competitive sports to go into, but also um, just be, learning to be well-rounded in terms of their um, their focus, their personality, and all those things, you're going you're going to want to stay tuned because I have a phenomenal guest here today. Um, with that being said, first of all, let me uh, talk quickly about my real estate company, uh, Todd & Co., brokered by eXp Realty. Um, our core marketing arm is Phoenix Homes and Hotspots. And Phoenix Homes and Hotspots is, um, my YouTube channel is basically for out-of-state buyers that want to uh, learn more about the area before they move into the area. So you can check that out on YouTube. And then you can check this interview out on uh, YouTube as well under um, interviews with Arizonans. All right, so with that, let me introduce Lawrence, Mr. Lawrence Hill. How are you doing, my man? Doing great. How are you? Excellent, excellent. So uh, Lawrence, one of the things that, when I thought about this podcast, one of the things that um, was important to me was bringing on guests that are not only interesting, but influential in the community. And for you, you have a really interesting story, but you've also become a huge influence on kids in this community across the valley. So why don't we start, um, if you don't mind, just kind of start by telling your story, how, um, you know, your background here in the valley and just kind of your story leading up to um, what we'll talk about here shortly, which is the CCV STARS program. Sure. I am. Uh... I think it's funny to hear interesting and influential. It's not necessarily what I thought I would be called as uh, heading down this path. Um, so I just feel really fortunate. Um, from Southern California, San Bernardino, Rialto area, I moved here when I was seven and was a basketball player um, all my life from that point on. And went to high school at Deer Valley High School. We were a really solid team. Um, but the main thing that I learned was that I can't do everything myself. And so I just, I was a good player, but, and people would say that, but I didn't think of myself as that. Um, went to Stanford and stayed here locally when I could in the summers. Um, but just staying a part of, staying a part of clubs, camps, anything I can, learning a lot about everything outside of being a player, but I was still a basketball player. Went to Stanford, had a pretty decent career there. So I was player of the, of, this, of the year in basketball and Gatorade player of the year here in Arizona. So they choose one male athlete, one female athlete of all sports. I had a 4.7 GPA, so things were going really well. So going to Stanford was a big awakening of how professional sports can be, even though I still felt like a kid. Um, I, I still call college students kids these days. Yeah, you're 21. Yeah, you're 20. You're, you're a child. Like, you're, you still got people taking care of you. Right. You don't have 
real responsibility, and that's okay. Uh, you're, you're learning and getting ready for that. Uh, so at Stanford, we, were, we went to the tournament a couple years. Sweet 16 was the farthest we went with the Lopez Twins. Brooke, who just won a championship with the Bucks, was on that team. You played with the Lopez Twins? Yeah. So you're old. Uh, no, yeah, I'm yeah. kidding. They're still, I, I they're feel still it. in the league. No, they're still <laughs> in the league. You're good. Yeah. And so, oh, man, I do feel I, it, time is passing. Um, I was a player. I was not player of the year. I'm close for it my sophomore year. I was all Pac-10. Decided to come back to to college for my, my junior year because the Twins were coming back as well for their sophomore year. And hit me hard like I, I my numbers dropped or uh, I didn't start as often and our team was the best it had ever been we I think we were seventh in the nation at our peak and we were a three seed in a tournament that year but I was semi-depressed because the first time I was not as good as I should be from in the eyes of a lot of people from an individual level and recognizing it so that's when I gave my life to Christ and started to see that I could be a hard worker and not have to rely on my identity as a basketball player and, and, um, and still make a difference, you know, still be part of a team. Played basketball professionally eight years, traveled the world. Uh, the, the specific places I played were for my teams, even though we traveled to many other countries, were Mexico, Lebanon, South Korea, Israel, Germany, France, Qatar, and Japan. And I also had a little stint in the G League here in Texas and Maine. So traveled the world, man, played basketball, professional level, some really high-level teams, and some teams where paychecks were four months late. And uh, it was pretty cutthroat. So, yeah, now I'm, I retired from that because I felt like I was chasing basketball, chasing my career, and wanted to do more influential things and help people instead of just the little micro community you create every year with new families and teams or sorry, teammates, and uh, CCD has been my home church since 2011 and got involved and positions started opening up and they wanted me to get involved and learn and see if it was something I was interested in. So going back to kind of you growing up here in the Valley, like high school, mm -hmm. and you when you walk around parts of the Valley, you're still a recognized, I mean, people recognize you. I mean, you're a big dude, by the way. <laughs> I mean, too. if you, you got to check this out on YouTube. We were, um, so we'll have some, uh, some additional video of Lawrence in action, but, uh, here at CCV, but the, um, I mean, we, we literally, when we were shooting, we had to back up like 10 yards just to get your whole body in, right? Cause we have to do the landscape version for YouTube. Mm -hmm. So like we had to back up 10 yards just to get all of you in. It's like following Shaq <laughs> around out there, man. Yeah. I can't hide. So that's okay with me. <laughs> but anyway, so you still, I mean, there's still parts of the Valley where you're a very recognizable figure here. I mean, you go out and people be like, oh, Lawrence, what's up, man? Yeah. So I would say in the basketball world, Arizona has definitely grown and had a lot of influential players play at high level. Uh, Jared Bayless was a, was a player who went to the NBA that was a little younger than me. Channing Frye right before me. Um, they both went to St. Mary's. And when I, went, when I was in high school, our team had four Division I players on our starting five, and so we had a really good team. But I would say basketball started to really expand its reach to other other colleges when it came to the high D-level schools uh, around the time I was here. So, so yeah, I was able to play with a lot of influential people. I played against James Harden, um, if you, yeah, Russell Westbrook, anyone who played in the pack uh, I, I guarded and played against when they were in college. That's really big name now because um, they're, you know, my age or, or a little younger. 
But yeah, so when I go other places, there's people that remember more things than I do because I was a kid. Um, that's what I really enjoy about my job now is I, I enjoyed, even though I was the best basketball player in the state and then I went to one of the best universities in the world, I, I was a, a kid. Like I, I played for fun. I had a good time. I didn't get caught up in all the stuff that people nowadays have to get caught up in with social media and a lot more money in sports. So um, my perspective is a little different. I don't necessarily look for that attention. And when it comes to me, it's pretty surprising. But I, I, I welcome it because I love talking to people and, and nostalgic stuff is cool too. Yeah. So was, so obviously probably when you get to college, you know, your aspiration is to go pro. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming that for most, you know, college uh, for anybody that at least thinks that they're capable, mm-hmm. right? I played two years of junior college basketball and had tendonitis in both my knees. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I was never going to the NBA, right? It was just, I was trying to make it last as long as I could those glory days. But, uh, you know, obviously you were a great Stanford player and a great high school player. Um, and so I'm assuming at that point your aspiration is to go pro, but like prior to that, what were your passions growing up? I mean, were you always just as a kid, you just, were you like a gym rat? You're always thinking, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be an NBA player. Or do you, did you have different aspirations? What did that look like? Uh, I always wanted to play basketball. Yeah. Uh, NBA was the peak. And then I fell in love with the idea of still playing at a pro level because of travel and, and you're still, it's, you're still a basketball player. Um, to be a basketball player our age, when you're not playing professionally, you have to pay to play. You have to go sign up for leagues and stuff. So people are paying me to play. It's still cool. So not, not making an NBA roster officially, even though I, I was on many summer league teams and preseasons. Um, like, for example, my rookie year was with Steph Curry in his draft class, and Joe Ingles was on that team too, who's a star starter for the Utah Jazz right now. Uh, I got to play with a lot of these guys for many years. But, yeah, being a pro was in the cards, but – no, like I said, I, I wanted to be a kid. I wanted, I love video games, still do, cars, food, uh, anything that, that I could do and share with other people. I don't really like doing things alone. I'm quintessential extrovert, and so anything I can do, and basketball was that too. It was, it was a fun thing to do with other people, and I didn't really want to get caught up in what I wanted to be and as a dream. Like, I definitely had goals, but I really, like, hey, what do I want to do now was on my mind a lot. Okay. So transitioning. Okay. So, so from college, you played pro basketball and now you're now at some point you hit a crossroads pro basketball. You're like this, this, well, first of all, what happens there? You just get to a point where you're burnt out. Is there, what, what happens in terms of making that transition and deciding that you're looking for a new direction? Yeah, it was something that my wife helped me with. So I've been dating her since I was 16, senior year of high school. And, uh, she's, I could keep going and keep working and keep at something. And she's planting the seeds of, Hey, like what, what's next for us and what's, what's good for our family and stuff. And so I just really started to evaluate. I wanted to go out on my terms. I didn't want to look for jobs and nothing would come. (laughs) So I did, uh, I, my last season in Japan, I was cut. The team wanted to, um, get a guard, uh, to fulfill some roles that we had where we already had some big players. So, uh, for me, it was easy. I have three months where I was cut. First time that's ever happened, I'm cut. I have three months off, which turns my summer training for next year into six months now instead of three. So there's a lot of time for thinking. What do I want to do? Do I want to train for six months and keep at this, or do I want to take this opportunity to – I'm getting paid for three months that I'm home. Do I look for other options? And so we went that route. My wife didn't believe me till 
we adopted our dog as a pit bull because you can't. We travel with Chihuahuas. You can't travel with big dogs unless you want to spend five thousand dollars one way. Yeah. And so, it was a, a lot of little steps that led to it. Um, nothing big. Nothing like injuries. Injuries suck. I wouldn't want. I don't wish that on people. So, there's people who have those choices made for them. But for me, it was that. And then, um, still, it was a cloud. I wanted to take a year of nothing and just figure stuff out because, yeah, pro basketball player. I had two cars and a house and no debt. So I'm thinking, okay, what do I want to do? It's, it sounds easy. It sounds like a dream and definitely not complaining, but I was, I had no idea. Like I could do anything, you know, not necessarily I'd have to train and learn how to do stuff, but it'd be different if I came out of college and said, Hey, I want to do this thing. And I was going for that goal the whole time. Like coming out of being a pro basketball player, I have zero work experience. I'm a 30 year old with zero work experience. And did yeah. you have a degree from Stanford? Yeah, I got my sociology degree. So you have a bachelor's degree mm-hmm. in sociology, okay. Yeah, so it's, you know, that's helpful when it comes to networking mostly. Like, it's, it's, it's a litmus test. Let's people know, hey, this person has passed enough to be trusted to try things out. But what does sociology get me in the real world? There's counseling, uh, research, organizations, things like that, maybe teaching. Um, and none of those really really just rung in my head as something I really wanted to do at the time. Sure. Um, so then, you know, now that I'm a youth sports pastor now in sociology and what I learned in, in studying people and, and culture is super helpful now. Never would have thought it was all God's timing and work in that. Like uh, the stuff I thought I wasn't going to use, I'm like, oh, I'm never going to use my degree. No, yeah. I'm, I'm using what I've learned all yeah, the time now. For sure. So. So you, so you have a Stanford degree. You play, what do you say, eight years? Mm-hmm. Eight years, eight years professional basketball. And you just mentioned you're a youth sports pastor, so we're going to jump into that right now. But so, so that's your background. You, um, what, I guess we should probably start here. Let, let's tell people what CCV is. Let's, let's start with what, what is CCV? For people who are like, well, what is the CCV stars? And what does that mean you're a youth pastor? Let's, let's start. What, what is CCV, just so people understand? Yeah, so CCV is uh, our home church. It's uh, Christ Church of the Valley is what it stands for. And a lot of people have a lot of opinions about it, but it's super simple. We're not a denominational church open to anyone. We focus on next steps and the community. We want people to be in community, live life together, and next steps. Like, what, 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 are, what steps can we to, choose to take to better our, our lives and our families um, and how God has his part in that, uh, whether that's being a part of a home group or, or even just an activity group where you're connecting with people, um, being a part of, of, of many or uh, what's it called, programs we have here, like our STARS program, which we'll talk about. And, and serving and being just active in the community, uh, missions, trips, going to other countries, and even in state. Like, we have a lot of partners here that we partner with um, for projects and things. And just anything we can do to keep ourselves from focusing just on ourselves, um, which is our default, right, as people. Um, so that's why it's my home church, and I love it. And, our, and of course, we have, we have great services, message every week, um, but it's really about the people that are part of the, the church and, and the community. You mentioned mission. I, I heard that there may be actually people on the ground as, as recently as weeks ago in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. which is just crazy to think about the fact that you have people putting themselves in danger to, to um, spread the word. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. So with that, then let's talk about the stars program. So CCV is, is, um, is the church stars is what? So stars, uh, we don't usually talk about 
it anymore. But when it started, it was, uh, uh, I guess, an acronym. I don't know exactly. <laughs> I'm losing the word of what it means. So like S-T-A-R-S. So striving okay. to achieve real significance um, is how it started. So, and it goes into uh, what we now call more than a game, which basically we love sports and it's a great tool to reach people and, and connect with people and have a have fun, safe environment for growth and, and activity. But there's, there's got to be more to it. If we focus on just the sport, uh, we're going to sell a lot of people short. Like we talked about earlier, yeah, I got to go to college and it was a great experience, but I believe either 1% or less than 1% of all high school athletes get to play in college at all. Like not, not even D1, right? College. So 1%. So there has to be more. Like what can we get out of sports before we focus just on this goal of being the best athlete? Um, and that's what you see in our program. Kids having a great time, especially in the last year and a half of dealing with the pandemic and isolation and a lot of uh, connections to community that people and families have been shorted out on. Um, we've been able to safely have our program uh, be a resource for people to have that connection where the kids are playing, coaches and parents are volunteering their time and serving, and the weather's great, and we're just we're having a blast, and you're a part of that, and it doesn't happen without people like yourself. So uh, it's, it's great to do this. That's, I love it. So, yeah, I coached my, uh, coach my son who just turned four. I keep wanting to call him three, but he just turned four. <laughs> yep. um, and, my, and my six-year-old daughter's soccer team's right now. So, yeah, we have a blast. The kids, kids have a lot of fun. And actually, as coaches, we have a lot of fun, too. So, um, so right now, and so, so people are thinking right now, okay, well, this is a sports program for the church. Who can participate? I mean, what, what, is, what is the demographic or what is – not just the demographic, but I mean, who, who are the kids that participate in this? Do you have to be somebody that attends a CCV church? Who, who can actually participate? Yeah, it's, uh, I get, that's a very common question. And to me, it's funny because working at CCV, it's, I think, man, where does this question come from? But no, it's, it's very easy to, to think and consider that you're, you're, you have to be a part of it to, to be involved. And no, it's for everyone and anyone. Any, any kids, any parents are welcome. Um, the, the few areas where, where there's opportunity for serving, we do ask for just a little more alignment with what our goals are. Um, to, that's what separates us as a program where we don't, we don't want all the, the, the crazy hyper cussing and hyper nature of competitive. We want, we want people to focus on what the kids want, which is to have a great time and have a blast, have fun. And yeah, they get better, but it, that, that in, in itself means it has to be for everyone. Um, because that's that's why we all start playing as kids. Um, so definitely for anyone. And the ratio, I believe now that we're almost in the four years of being a program here at this location, um, about half of our kids are either CCV families or, or churched. So at least half or sometimes more don't go to a church or don't have a church home and don't need to like they're they're here and they're a part of the program and having a good time. So half you said are are actually CCV kids. I mean they they come here. They they call it. You said you call they call CCV home. Or they have a, half. Or they have another church home. You know? Or they have another. Yeah, church like home. they're okay. It doesn't I, I, I haven't done that's a, that's good. To, I should look into specifically CCV because it'll be even less. So um, you could so you could be a CCV. You, you could attend CCV. Be a CCV member. You could. Um, come from another church, or you may not go to church at all, yeah. and actually be part of the CCV Stars program as long as 
you know, you're not out on the field cussing and, and meeting, you know, certain guidelines and yeah. hopefully parents of four and six year olds. And obviously you go <laughs> older than that. We'll talk about that, but, mm-hmm. um, obviously hopefully they're keeping some etiquette anyway at any on, you know, on any field mm-hmm. anywhere. It's youth sports, man. It's tough. That's what I love. It brings, it, it brings who you really are out. Like you, you can't hide on the field. That includes the kids, right? Like yeah. most of the time when a kid is crying and not getting their way on the field, this is the moment where they're learning how to deal with something or grow and get the tools they need to mature. Um, so the same thing happens with adults. Same thing happens with me. Like I, I get tested every week out there. Yeah. Too. Uh, you just made me think, I wonder what people actually think of me. Cause I'm like, I'm like running up and down the field and like <laughs> the, the referee's like, pack up, pack up five <laughs> steps. You're on the field and I'm sweating. I'm like, oh, I wonder what these people actually think of me. And it made me uh, a little self-conscious there. But if you want to know the answer, find three parents on your team and just say like, Hey, give me a sentence, explain who is Todd Hall, the coach, like, and, and ask them on the spot. Yeah. And if, they, if those three things say the same thing, then you don't get to be wrong. Like, they're right. Yeah. If one person could be wrong, I know you're kind of mean. Like, okay, maybe you just don't like me. I've had several that have come up afterwards like, hey, you know, really, you know, I mean, they're complimentary, right? So so that's a good thing. I haven't asked, but I've had some compliments. (laughs) And then I'm thinking, but my style is probably not for everybody because I'm competitive, right? I mean, I want want to teach them to win. I want them to have fun. So, Mm -hmm. you know, at the beginning of the season, I'm like, look, we want to have fun. But we also we, we want to learn to be focused and just be good human beings. We want to you know we want to work as a team. Um, we want to learn the game, mm-hmm. but we want to win games. We want to be competitive, yeah. and those are kind of my four things that I talk to to the parents and the team when we yeah. first gather at the beginning of the year, so that there is that understanding. Right? Don't want to confuse anyone. There's it's sports, so we're not out there like oh no, don't try to score. Give, right. Give high fives instead. Like no, it, go play, go try to win compete absolutely it's just uh i forget who said this quote so maybe a google search could do it but if competition and character compete with each other we're going to choose character so i would much rather have people get life skills than just be a good athlete so yeah but well but definitely both but the fact that it's all of it caters to all parents because Mm -hmm. there are kids that are out there that are really shy that by the end of the season, they come out of their shell Mm -hmm. and you know, that, that, you know, so, so again, having fun, but still being competitive, I think is what all parents want, Mm -hmm. right? Even the shyest of kids to watch them from week one to week nine or whatever, right. Is, is a huge transformation and parents like, wow. Right. If so as a coach, you get a lot of gratification out of that. So I think one of the things, if you're listening to this, right, is that, you're really getting it all. You're getting a competitive environment. These kids are, I mean, my girls are animals. These six, six and seven year old girls, they're animals, <laughs> yeah. man. They, they play hard, mm-hmm. harder than I remember playing sports at, at six, seven years old. Well, they feel safe and they're having a good time, right? So yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna do what they should be doing, which is testing their limits and their, their abilities. And, and they know they're allowed to do it instead of worrying about how well they're going to do at it. So anybody can participate. What's your role? You mentioned earlier your title. So say your t- so what is your actual title again and what is your role? What is it what does it mean? Yeah. So I'm a youth sports pastor here. I'm a commissioned pastor. So that means that the church has trained me and commissioned me as a pastor. Uh, and the difference would be if I went to seminary like a formal like Bible college or something. Um, which I do intend to um, pretty soon. I'm looking into that. Um, but what that means is I'm, I'm a spiritual guide for a lot of people, and there's definitely a lot of conversations and, and helpful things using the resources our church has for people when it comes to 
finding what they need. But my main goal when it comes to the actual practical stuff is running a youth sports program. So uh, we have soccer, basketball, football, and baseball as our rotation of programs. And uh, I do all the coordinating for everything, which we include. Sorry, say those sports one more time. So soccer and football are the main ones. And then baseball and then basketball. Yeah, okay. Basketball is the biggest challenge for us because we don't have our own uh, basketball court. So we, we partner with schools when we're able to. But we always have, will have soccer and football and baseball in rotation because we have a field here at our at our locations. Right. So do all the locations have fields? No, some partner directly, and as part of the, the the building of the campus in that location, was partnering with a nearby either school or some kind of center where they're able to to have the programs there. So um, all the campuses have programs, but and then if they all the campuses have programs. Yeah. Uh, they just don't necessarily all have their own field right on site. Yeah. Okay. And, and so that's what's cool is there's a different vibe for each campus. Um, you would think partnering with a school, it brings challenges. So if there's a campus that has a school that they're partnered with for running the programs, okay, you've got to coordinate, you've got to work with things. But then at the same time, you, you now have a, a, a wider net of people that you're providing services for, where the school doesn't have to worry so much about doing that too, right? Because we're going to do that. We're going to run this program. We're, gonna, we're here for the community, make the community better, connect people. Like, who doesn't want that? Yeah. And then for us, we have 19th Avenue right behind the field. People are driving by. The lights are on so at So we're night. at the North Phoenix right mm-hmm. now. In fact, we're sitting inside of the North Phoenix campus right now, mm-hmm. and that's where you... That's where you're at. Yeah. So there's people see what we're doing. They see the kids playing, and, the, and we get people pulling up all the time asking about the program and, and get involved because uh, that's what it's about. It's not We, we don't want to be hiding on the other side of campus away from people to see. Right. Like, no, we want people to see that there's there's good times, life change, and kids are in a safe, fun environment. So So I interrupted. You were talking about um, kind of what your day-to-day, and I kind of inter- I just no, wanted to clarify that. But so um, so. Is there, was there anything else in terms of like kind of um, what you... Yeah, so like I, I, I have to coordinate the program. So this, what's funny is I was a basketball player from seven years old till 30. All this stuff I'm doing now for my job, people did for me and whatever team I was on, right? So making sure we have the equipment, making sure the landscaping is done. Um, from, from the biggest thing for me, and it's my favorite part, it's also the most challenging, is recruiting coaches. So all of our... I'm the one staff member in our program this season. We have 670 kids in it between soccer and football. So I have uh, over 100 coaches, and they're all volunteers. Um, so you're one of them. And my goal is I need to be available and, and just active in training and communicating with all of you guys, uh, as well as some who help us with operational stuff and first impressions things like at the front. And so... You know, I could never do this on my own, and it's not expected to be. We have to, we have to empower people like yourself, people that, when when people are involved who are also in the program, it it just it booms, and everyone's having a great time, and people are inviting more people. It's that's how it works. Uh, we could go the other model where we have more staff members, but then it's it's salesmany. We're kind of trying to make things happen, and no, like the reason we're growing has very little to do with me, and I love being able to confidently say that. Like, there's a lot of stuff I do. But the program is lifted up by our volunteers, which I which I try to manage and support. What is what is a um, so I don't know if there is a typical day or a typical week, and obviously it's in season and off season. But mm-hmm. in season, you know, you have programs running. What is a what is a typical day, or maybe because I'm sure all days are different. Like you know, weekends game day as mm-hmm. an example. You have game days on Saturdays and. 
practice on the week. What, what, what is, what does a week look like or what does a day look like? I mean, yeah. what, you know, and obviously before the season you're setting schedules. So there's, you know, see, it sounds easy, but probably a lot more work than what a lot of people would think in terms yeah. of what goes into what you do. A lot of people ask me, Oh, is this your full-time thing? And I, I, I think it's funny cause it's similar. I'm like, wait, what makes you ask that? And, uh, I think it's because yeah, if I'm only at the field when they're at the field, a one hour practice and then one hour game, it may seem like there's only a few hours on those nights to do stuff. But no, Monday through Thursday right now, uh, a lot of admin emails, calls, and and vision casting, like figuring out what do we want next month to look like? What do we want to finish the season with? What do we want? What happened last weekend at games? What can we do to be better? All that happens in the mornings and afternoons. And then um, I try to meet with people uh, like yourself uh, over coffees and lunches and get a vibe for what's happening because we have 57 teams right now. I can't coach more than one or two if I tried. And so I need to know how things are going. And so then practice, practicing games are, is where the most fun happens. So at nighttime, we've got our practices on practice days and then football game days on Friday under the lights. And then soccer is the longest one, which is like 8 a.m. till 2 or 3 p.m. Uh, Sunday is my off day of the of the week and good sabbath good time to be with family and and plan out some time to just relax and and get closer to each other and god and and then right back at it on monday so the seasons so we talked about the sports that are offered seasons are year round basically have what how, how many seasons throughout the year so soccer and football we have a rotation of fall and spring so september is when the fall season starts for those and march end of february is when the spring season starts for those and registrations open at least a month and a half two before and um baseball we just introduced last winter you know not many states or cities you could have a baseball season in the winter and it was beautiful you know 70s high 60s all season that's a starts in right, right after thanksgiving through february and uh we had a smaller summer baseball season um end of may no yeah middle of may through june and uh it's hotter, obviously, but it was fun. Um, and then basketball is a winter-summer season as well, which summer is better for basketball because we're indoors. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. What ages can participate? So, so I mentioned earlier, like you know, obviously you start pre-K and kindergarten. Mm -hmm. What ages can participate? <clears throat> Starting at what age and then up to, you know, what what um, what does that look like? So we start at four years old. Uh, traditionally that's the, around the age kids are kids still but they're more listening more aware of what we're doing under under that tends to be you know not as successful as having a good time um, and specifically here with football we go up to eighth grade we have a seventh eighth uh, competitive division for flag football and soccer we go up we just started a fifth through seventh grade as our highest division because we have a couple seventh graders that were in the program last year and we didn't want to lose them but we, we have no plans currently to go junior high for soccer because it requires a pretty decent-sized field. Sure. And the reason we don't go up through junior high and in most of our sports and uh, uh, what's it called, high school, is because the, the schools do that. Like, we want to support them. We'll, we'll help them with the events and things they do for theirs, but we don't want to get in the way. Uh, I think a 15-, 16-year-old should be involved in their school um, playing sports there and Hopefully, if they were in our program, they learned how to bring good culture and good habits to that environment as well. There's um, so 
there's a boys league and a girls league for each sport or does it depend on the sport? Does it depend on the campus? Depends on the sport. So soccer is our only split gender program. Um, Basketball, football, and baseball are all co-ed and can continue to plan that to be here. I believe Peoria is maybe surprised. I know for sure Peoria is the only campus that has uh, a split gender for basketball um, because it's all about numbers. So we, we wouldn't want to, and even here, as you were here before, we were co-ed some of our groups, our age groups, because if we're able to split it, we will. Um, so making sure that we're able to have a good experience with the kids, having enough numbers on teams is part of what we go into planning in our preseasons. But right now, soccer is the only one that's, that's program-wide. The plan is co-ed, not, not necessarily being a focus and keeping it boys' teams and girls' teams. Okay. All the other three sports are, are co-ed in nature. Okay, and we talked about the competitiveness. So there's referees, mm-hmm. there's... And that's, and that's for certain ages, right? So obviously pre-K and kinder is just like really... It's getting... Let, let me back up. So before CCV, I had my kids enrolled in just a, a local sports program mm-hmm. that basically once a week, they would go out and learn the fundamentals, mm-hmm. but they never played games. Mm-hmm. So here you have a practice day every week and a game day every week, at, regardless of the age. Mm-hmm. Pre-K, kinder, no referees, but they still have the ability to go actually take the fundamentals, put them on the field and play the game. Yeah. Beyond that, then you start getting into referees. So again, it's very competitive, and, and there are referees for is that is that pretty consistent yeah. after first grade? It's pretty much referees yeah, first across the up, board. First grade and up, yep, and yeah. that includes a tournament uh, and and some sort of prize at the end for winners. So trophies for people who are in a championship game and and medals for others. Junior high division, we introduced uh, t-shirts. So like kids in that age like wearing something versus a trophy that's going to sit in their closet, and so. Uh, yeah, we like to think of what can we do to introduce that competitive part uh, from that first grade up. But yeah, pre-K, what's interesting is you'll, you'll find a kid or two in the program will really care about winning the game or, or care about, you know, what's our, what's our record? How many goals do we have and all that? And, and they get that from their parents because at that age group, it's very super simple. Like all they care about is themselves. That's my ball. I want to kick it. I want to score. Da da da. And so when you're talking about what the score is or what our record is, you're you're talking bigger picture. And very few five six year olds naturally have that thinking process. They're they're like unless they're on my team. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right? And so so that's that's why our philosophy is we introduce it first grade and up because yeah, like I said earlier too, we don't we're not just a you know, hang out by the campfire church league. Hey, let's just sing songs and oh, it's okay that you played. Uh, no, no, we want com- we want competitiveness. So um, introducing it at that first grade level is the best way to do it. Keep it still, it's still cute, still adorable because they're little kids at that age. But then they're they're understanding. Oh, what what we do has consequences, and and there is a success portion to what we're doing as a, as a team. And what does that mean? Oh, look, we're in this spot at the end of the season because of this many wins and losses. They start to learn that stuff, and it's pretty cool to watch them play. Like the last week of the season, man, kids are playing as hard as they didn't even know they could. First week, like you're saying, the shy kid is the one out there trying to trying to run over and get to that ball first because um, they know what's at stake. So, 
you mentioned earlier that it's all uh, so referees and, and coaches is all on a volunteer basis. Referees, we pay. Oh, you pay yeah. referees. And okay. there's a level where we need that. Coaches are volunteers. So I promise people, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if you're going to volunteer coach, I have no expectation that you are a great soccer coach. There's no go out there and be, you know, be undefeated or go out there and make every player better. That's going to have – players are going to – the better team that is the team that has the most athletic kids usually, and you don't get to choose what kids you have on your team when it comes to – if you have 12 on a team, yeah, you might have your, your kid and a couple of their friends if, if they sign up together, but what about the rest, right? So when it comes to referees, we want to ensure that they're going to do their job and do it right because we need as little – they need to understand that we're here for them too, that we care about them. They're not just here to get a paycheck. But they also need to understand that we we need the games to be ran in the right way, uh, where all the time there's variables where teams I need to step in and help a team with a coach who doesn't understand rules or or coaches who don't understand the responsibilities of being a coach. We we want that volunteer aspect to stay just with coaches. But when it comes to the refs, we want them to show up. They know what they're doing. They run the game. Everyone understands, and we work with whatever happens. But yeah, so so there are opportunities for people if they want to ref, uh, but I'm the point of contact for that, getting them make sure they're trained and ready. Okay, and coaches are mostly parents, mostly well, probably yeah. a little bit of a mix, but mostly parents. Yeah, some of some awesome coaches we have are just people who attend the church and want to serve um, and and be involved. Like I have two that coach multiple teams, and um, they they do my model, which I get from them. Try to multiply so their goal is to get a, get parents on their teams to see hey do you want to step in and assist with me and guess what a year down the road that parent is now running their own team because they're confident and they know what they're doing they're in love with what's happening while while the original coaches are starting that with a new team with new new parents and kids so it's pretty cool okay so so coaches are obviously there's a vetting process and not mm-hmm. to go into the whole process you but or, you know the whole protocol mm-hmm. but you're working with kids and clearly you have to pass a process um so again not to go into the whole protocol but what's just kind of a brief summary what does that yeah. look like so if so if somebody brings their child to ccv to, to participate in stars what can they expect in terms of what that coach is, has been through to make sure that that coach is safe to work with the kids yeah so there's uh two steps to that one is a, an original kind of I guess, intro conversation with myself. Uh, someone could be a perfect coach, but if we don't, we don't want to just say anyone can coach. Um, I, I would have an aversion, especially coming from the youth sports to professional world, I would have an aversion to someone that's trying to coach because they want to be a coach. Like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, because the, the point should be that you understand that you're serving and helping others here. It's not, it's not like in a pro level. Like when I was in the G League, players, coaches, refs, general managers, all of them in those teams, they didn't want to be there. Like their goal is to show how good they to can get be to become an NBA person, sure. NBA player, NBA ref. Like, no, this, this is not where – it's not the kind of program where you want to show up to become like a, a high school or college coach someday. Yeah, you absolutely can, but if that's why you're here, you're going to miss out on – plugging in with the families, getting connected. So, so I have to be able to, to speak for every coach that's out there. Um, so that's the first step. But then the other is super simple. We have an awesome background vetting check with um, process with our security team. 
uh, Rich Wooten, who was in the NFL, part of uh, security for Roger Goodell, uh, is our lead for security at CCV. So we take security and safety very serious because, uh, yeah, there's nothing that can bring a program down more than, than a situation with kids on top of the fact that I want to be able to guarantee people that we take it serious. We, you, you should come here and feel safe and have a good time. So uh, usually coaches get cleared within a week or two of going through the background check process and some training. Um, and during that time, they can learn about what, they're, what they'll do as a coach. Um, but there's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not something for everyone, um, but it's definitely worth people asking and checking up on because I don't want to say no for someone if they want to try. You mentioned earlier growth. And, um, so what is, what does that look like? I mean, here we are in 2021, we're coming out of COVID. What, um, what does that look like? It seems like there's a lot more teams on the field this year than last year. I don't know what the mm -hmm. year prior looked like. What are you seeing in terms, in terms of just kind of the growth pattern for the program? Um, we have, we have goals of growing, uh, and I, I have a philosophy about how to make that happen. Um, instead of just focusing on the sport and and getting the name the word out ccv is is pretty well known here we're, we're the largest church in the valley i believe i don't not too familiar with other denominations and things but um we've grown we were just over 300 kids a year ago and we're over you know we're right around 670 right now so for us to grow at that that's level here at this campus yeah that's just at this campus ccv wide stars is bigger than it's ever been this year and so to say all that, it has it has very little to do with what my plan is or my strategy. Like my philosophy is to go out and just be super friendly and open to everyone I can because the people, the volunteers and the parents that are in the program, they're the ones that are going to spread the word. And why would they do that? Because they felt safe, because their kids had fun, because their kids felt valued. They felt, they felt important. It's really cool um, when a parent comes in and I meet someone, like I met a guy named David yesterday, had some questions about some of the practice shirts we have. And then let's say next week he walks into the field for practice and I'm like, Hey, what's up, David? How was your week? Like, Oh, you remember my name? Like, yeah, bro. Like, yeah, I don't remember everyone, but I, I make it my mission to show people that they matter and they care. And I'm glad they're here because that's what it should be about. Um, so I, I, I expect us to grow every single season because if we're not, we're not showing people we care about them. Like, why wouldn't people want to be a part of this? What do you attribute it to then? I mean, is, I mean, you've talked about a little bit where people drive by and see the fields, and we, and we know now that you don't have to be a member of the church to participate. What do you, what do you actually attribute the growth to? How do, people, how do people stumble across the STARS program? Well, uh, if they're not a member of the church, obviously. Obviously, if you're yeah. a member of the church, you're going to know about it. But if you're not, how, how do people come across it? Yeah, a lot of stories that come from other programs and other experiences. And people, like, there's still people who have have a bad a bad time here too. Like, it's not it's not for everyone if they're not looking for what we do. But um, I would say, I, you know, I don't I want other programs in competition to exist. I have no nil ill will towards any other program. But I just I don't feel like we have any true competition to what we do. Most programs operate to to be able to to pay and make a living. Um, we being a part of CCV. We are a ministry where we're not we're not trying to grow because we need you know to put food on the table for what happens at the field. We we understand that this isn't for us. Like it's it's for the community, um, and anything extra goes back into it to make it even better as a program for the to reach more people. So um, 
I would say first and foremost, it, it sounds it sounds churchy, but I just believe in it. Like uh, God, God will bless us and anyone who's who's doing the right thing for people. Like I think if we're not doing what people need, um, we could see growth and could see benefits, but it's it's gonna it, it'll crumble as as all empires and big things have in in all of time. For us, we need to know like, hey, the here and now is that people want to be a part of youth sports. They want their kids to grow and, and make friends and have a good time and feel safe doing that. And if we continue to do that, it's it's only inevitable that people will continue to come. Um, yeah. People are going to listen to this podcast from all over the Valley and actually all over the state. But this what we're talking about right now is very specific to the Phoenix Metro and mm-hmm. the Valley. How many how many CCV locations? Just so people understand that we've talked about this North Phoenix campus because that's where you're at. Mm-hmm. But uh, how many locations are there around the valley? CCV locations are there? So there's 12, and we have 14 coming. So we have two more coming, and then a 15th and or 16th in the next couple of years. So uh, we were at five stars locations um, three or four years ago. So we're we're growing pretty consistently. So there's and, 12 campuses, and we said earlier that each every single campus has a STARS program. Yeah, yeah. the philosophy for STARS is we'll, we'll go somewhere first before, if we're going to open a new campus somewhere in the Valley, STARS will go first, if possible, because there's already a community there. It may take time for the building to, to be built and for people to, to, to start attending the church, but for example, our Levine campus has been open for a year. Uh, for stars and the the campus itself for church is not open and it, it will be soon, but they've, they already have hundreds of people that have been there and are familiar with our stars program and asking questions about what CCV is um, before the building even opens for church. And so there the, the will not be a CCV campus without a stars program. Now how those work, whether they have their own field, whether they need to partner with someone uh, that's their own culture in their own area but it's part of our youth ministry. We have a kids ministry and stars is part of that. But the great news is that there's 12, there, there's 12 campuses mm-hmm. around the Valley. So somebody doesn't have to be close right. or travel to North Phoenix in yeah, order to no. do this or Peoria or we whatever. We want a 15 minute, same philosophy with our churches. The reason we're, we're not growing, we're not building these huge 3000 people auditorium buildings, like a few hundred in them. You know, some of them are places that, that people sell or, or need to give away. And we, we build them up like, our goal is that people can drive less than 15 minutes to get to any campus they need to get to um, wherever they live. So that's awesome when you think about it from the stars perspective, because when I was growing up for me to play basketball where I wanted to, I, had, I lived uh, down by Maryvale high school at first, and we had to drive out to the East Valley for basketball programs. So, you know, rush hour traffic, 45 minute drive for me as a 10 year old to play some basketball. Like <laughs> I would have played in stars as soon as I could, if it was, 10 minutes away. Yeah. And if you're, if you're listening on the audio version, check out the YouTube channel and we'll have a map, but we'll, we'll throw a map up of just all, of all the locations. So you can see where all those locations are across, uh, across the Phoenix Metro and the Valley. Um, we, we, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, the, the kind of, I guess you would call it the slogan or the motto, the more than a game mm-hmm. motto. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like what's, what's, um, what, what inspired it, but even more so, why is it important to the program, and why why is that something that you've attached to stars? So the morning game comes with our, our three pillars, the three C's: character, competition, and community. So we want to build character in people. Uh, we want to compete 
like I said, and I'll continue to say it, like we're, we are a sports program and competition is part of sports. There's, there's usually a score and there's another team and all that. So, and then community, we want, we want people to know that, uh, we're in isolation, we're, we're just, we're, we're going to struggle as people. We need, we need people around us. We need support. We need uh, community. So we can achieve all of that through youth sports. Uh, that's where more in the game comes from. Um, the best way I can say it, and I, I love everyone can have their own way of, of interpreting it. For, for me, how I, how I was raised and how I was able to be this hugely influential, successful basketball player um, was – that happened even though my goal wasn't for that. Like, I didn't attack every day as, oh, I'm going to be an NBA player. Or, I'm going to be a pro player. Like, no, every day is, oh, we're playing basketball? Let's go. Like, oh, I'm going to go have fun. Oh, oh, my buddy Mark's there? Let's go. Like, oh, oh, we, we get to play against those guys? Oh, they beat us last time. Let's go try again. And then uh, the character side of it is I, I didn't – I saw so many examples of other kids at, led by their families, unfortunately, where kids are just – the way they're behaving, the way they're – you wouldn't – I realized, like, okay, Stanford wanted me, but why wouldn't they want some other kids that were my age that are giving me a hard time in the court? Oh, man, those kids, you have to think about it from a business perspective when you get to that level. Like, you don't want someone that's going to talk back to you, someone that's going to do their own thing, someone that's going to reflect bad on you as a program. So we need, if we can show kids that now, like seven, eight-year-olds are learning that what they do matters more than just for themselves, and that's only going to grow, and they're going to share that with their friends. But it's centered on the fact that their parents signed them up for soccer as, a, as an eight-year-old. Like, that's, that's huge. So more than the game is, is all of that. It's, uh, it's why we do what we do, because if we only focused on sports, we would be selling the majority of people short. Like, in one example I gave was 1% of high schoolers play, play uh, what's it called, college. On top of that, we did the data, the research. 75% of kids quit sports by the time they turn 13 years old. Like, and the number one reason is it's not fun anymore. I don't remember exactly what two and three are, which one's which, but, but two and three are too much pressure from their parents or coaches. And then, um, I'm forgetting what the third one is, but it's all related to they're just not having fun. They're not, they're, they didn't play sports because they wanted to be the star player. They played because it, it was fun. And 13-year-old quitting, like, they're not going to – I had challenges my whole life, but I didn't quit. It's because it was always right. fun. So, right. So, right. yeah, more than the game is there's just more to it. And for the select few, yeah, that's why Kobe Bryant is who he was. That's why Michael Jordan is who he was. That's why LeBron – Steph Curry. That's why they're at the top is because, no, the game is that – they're that elite. But why are, why are they successful but someone else isn't? It's because most of us crumble when you make sports the only thing. Like we, 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 we don't function in society. We don't have the friends and support around us. We don't, people don't want to be around us unless we're doing good. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. And we don't want to teach that to kids. I don't want, I'm, I'm so glad I never had to deal with that. Like, I think it's harder to do that as a kid nowadays. Right. Like, kids are showing me, Hey Lawrence, here, here's my, look at my Instagram highlights. I'm like, you're, you're 13. Like that doesn't matter next year. Like, why does it matter to you now? Someone's telling you it matters. You need it or you're getting gratification from that, you know? So I always respond like, hey, are you having fun? Are you playing? Are you having a good time? Yeah, I'm having fun. All right, cool. Because hopefully they remember that's why. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I was going to ask you like w at the end of the program, what you hope for the kids to get out of it. But I think we've hit it pretty good. You know, I mean, 
I agree. It's, it's if you're not having fun, nothing else matters, right? And so kind of going back to some of the transformations I talked about earlier where you get a shy kid that comes in and they're crying the first day they don't want to leave their mom's side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get them out, you finally talk them out onto the field and you can tell for the first four or five weeks they're not having fun. And then, you know, something clicks week six. And it's not like they're the superstar on the field necessarily, that not the shy kid, but they start to participate. They start, the ball comes their way and they're actually participating or they're chasing it mm-hmm. or whatever that looks like. Right. And all the levels are different. You know, pre-K um, is really hard because it's chasing butterflies. <laughs> like yeah. my, my son's the worst. I mean, he's the runt on the field. He just <laughs> turned four. So he started at three really mm-hmm. with this particular season. And it's like, I always say, it's like, people are like, how did he do today? I'm like, yeah, he chased some butterflies, but he got in there a couple times mm-hmm. or whatever. And so I, I agree with you, man. I think it's all, I think it is about having fun and it's about learning the game too, because a lot of these kids have never played it before. Yeah. Um, it's building character. Like you said, it's, it's kind of the four things that I said earlier. Right. I mean, it's just like really epitomizes what I want my kids to get out of the season and then be competitive. We, we mm-hmm. do want to win games at the end of the day. Um, not only do I want to win games and not only do I know that most of the kids, that's what they're there for, but a lot of the parents are there for that as well. Mm-hmm. And if you don't give them that competitive aspect, parents are going to go elsewhere at the end of the day, yeah. right? You have to give them, I, th- I think you're right, man. I think you have to give them that balance. And the three C's approach is, is a really cool approach because it really does create balance inside of the program as opposed to just making it about one aspect. You know, a fun league is fun, but if it's not competitive, then, you know, it's, it's not for all kids, mm-hmm. right? Where I think what you guys have built through the more than a game is something that all parents and all kids can really wrap their heads around. Yeah, the the competitive part is we I I believe you don't really truly compete unless you do it the right way. Like otherwise you're just a jerk or you're just you know uh some someone who's cheating to win a game thinks they're competing, like they're trying something to win, right? So I think the way we focus on competition, we don't exclude it. We just focus on how do we do this in the right way where, where you can walk away from the field and you can point and say like, yeah, no, that, that team won because they were better. Like that's what we need to focus on. So many people in the, in cultural views, uh, at the professional level, you focus on what a ref did, a coach's call, a player missing a shot, basketball, for example, like so many people focus on the last shot of the game. Oh, lost by one because you missed that last shot. Like, first of all, we played 47 minutes and 55 seconds. You're telling me the last five seconds is what we lost? No, like we got to this point for all that time. What about the play that happened in the first quarter? What about an easy layup we gave up in the first quarter? What about this, this uh, moment where we didn't communicate well in the second quarter? Like, they all add up. And so we need to remember that wins and losses are, are just a part of it, but – what are you going to do to to get better and focus on the right things about it? Um, too yep. many, there's too many excuses out there. And kids, this is what I love too, it's youth sports. Kids are going to give you all the excuses in the world. And part of me getting this role, it was very clear. I learned that I'm not here just for the kids. It's like kids are going to, they're going to play, they're going to test boundaries, they're going to learn what they're capable of, what they're not capable of, yada, yada. It's the parents that we, we really want to focus on teaching them to, like what, it's really sad when a parent says, you know, I, I really want this for my kid. Like, oh, I want, I want him to get better. I want this and that. And then, and the kid isn't having fun every week. It's because the kid is focused on focusing on how, how good of a soccer player they need to be, but it's coming from their parent. And 
eventually the end of the road for that is usually a kid who's disruptive, doesn't care about school, doesn't want to work, wants everything given to them. And the only thing they care about talking about is what they did well. And I see that today. When I go play pickup basketball at the gym, I'll get random guys, hey, Lawrence, oh, man, well, you know, I get to play against you today. Awesome. Hey, hey, when I was, in, when I was at Trevor Brown, I had 15 points against you guys. you remember that? I'm like, no, bro, I don't, I don't remember. And I don't uh, care because I also don't remember the 30 points I put on you. Like, it doesn't right. – like, it's sad to me that that matters to you now when we're talking about the early 2000s. Um, we need but, to, although it is a compliment, though, too. Yeah. It's like, hey, man, I, sc- I scored on Lawrence, right? Yeah, it's but like I, it is a compliment. I want to move on to the moment now where this person went by me and scored a layup, but I thought I was going to block it. Like, man, good job. Like, but unfortunately to them in that moment, they're going to think of that as a shining moment. When it's, yeah. No, it's, it's a moment in the game. How about this? We're, we're healthy, we're playing, we're having fun, and we're competing, you know? Let's say our team beats him 11-2. to two. He's going to be talking to me about how he scored a layup on me. I'm like, yeah, but you guys had two points and we won. Like, Right. I, yeah. So I'm trying to catch as many parents and kids with the reality of how they sound. Sure. But ultimately, man, it's fun. It is so much fun too. like, I have a blast out there. Yeah. And you know what? The parents have a blast too. A lot mm-hmm. of times I, one of the things that I try to do is at the beginning of the season is get the parents to start interacting right away. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Hey, not only do we want to have like really good kids on the field, but we want to have the loudest pa- fans. Yes. We want to have the loudest parents yeah. in the league too. Right. Try to get them involved with their kids and try to get them to kind of pump their kids up in the car on the way there. Cause you know, it's, it's crazy at these, especially these young, young ages, mm-hmm. first 10, 15 minutes, man. It's like, Hey guys, let's wake up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like let's, let's go. So trying to get, just really trying to get the parents involved on that level where they're getting their kids excited. Mm-hmm. Not so much about like, like you said, yeah, you know, it's, it's one thing to be a great player, but also getting them excited about getting out to the field and actually playing and then showing their excitement on the sidelines gets them excited on the field. So, so I think all that's important. When we went and played in tournaments when I was a teenager, I, I've, I can't tell you a single moment from 13 to 17, 18 when I finished high school from club basketball, like a single play. I, have, I don't have a single one in my head. My dad can because uh, being an adult, you can remember those things a little better. I remember so many car rides just talking about how, we, how it was, asking my dad what I could do to get better, having orange slices and Skittles as a snack. I, re- I literally, one, remember, one memory to me is driving home from the East Valley. We're getting off on I-10 to get home, and I have a, uh, the orange peels in my hand, and I have a Skittles bag that I, I had to eat the orange first before I could eat the Skittles. So I'm eating the Skittles, and this isn't the best after-game meal. But I'm just, I remember that situation more than whatever plays I had in the game we won. That's awesome, you know? like I, That's awesome. I can tell you, yeah, like most kids probably would feel the same if they had a good time. It's unfortunate that the kids that are, and we want to try to avoid, not say unfortunate, but we want to try to avoid if the kids are super hyper-focused on just what they did on the field or on the court, um, that's only, like as a pro player, I was playing two hours a day. And on two a days, I was playing four hours a day. Like that's 20 more hours of my day. Like I'm not just a basketball player. Like what am I for those 20, 20 hours with my wife, with my kid, with my friends, like, when I go to the store? When I go to a restaurant, like, who am I? Like, I'm going to talk to the waiter. Hey, what'd you like to order? Oh, hey, I scored a basket today. Like, no, like, I, yeah. I need to be, a, I need to be a, a, a functioning member of society. Yeah. So I remember the interactions around games as a kid way more than I remember any play. And that's something I just rem- thought of right now. I can't think of a single 
13 to 17 year old moment on the basketball court that popped in my head right now. It's interesting. It's almost like you need a coaching program for the parents to coach their kids. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's like, Hey, you know, yeah, the competitive part is, is great, but you got to have the support. You I think know, you stars to, does that. So like if you coach, you'll, you'll see really quickly what you should or shouldn't be doing as a coach. Right. Like, yeah. Cause you're responsible for more than just your kid. You know, and I see that in my daughter. When I coach my daughter, I think she has that added pressure that dad's coach. And she, all she wants to do is please dad. And so I see her sometimes just overthinking what she's doing. Mm-hmm. So she'll go into her baseball swing. And if I'm standing right there, she, it gets all choppy. Yeah. But if I walk away, it's just a nice pure swing. Yeah. And I always tell That's her. That's a good you observation. Know, yeah. And I, and I always tell her, it's like, in soccer, she does the same thing. She'll kind of hesitate when I'm close by. But if she's just out on the field and I'm not right there, she just goes. Mm-hmm. And so interesting you know last week she she said you know daddy i tried my best and i said baby as long as you try your best you know daddy will never nice. be upset with you right that's all you could ever do so Dude, that's so cool so yeah. my daughter's uh she's be turning too soon and uh yeah that's awesome that's, that's testament to you doing a good job being a parent that she's able to point out that she she's knowing what she's capable of right, right? like a lot of kids will say that they want to do things and you know they can't like, I want my kid to be a good player. I want my kid to dunk. I want my kid to, to score a scorpion kick goal. But you don't just, it doesn't just happen because you want it. You have yeah. to really work at it. And what if genetically or, or physically you're unable to? Like, I can dunk easy right now. Like, there's so many people I know, the average guy is six feet tall or 5'10 or whatever, and will never be able to dunk in my heart. They try. Um, however, every single one of us can try our best. Now, Absolutely. like, in this conversation, Tomorrow, every single day, you could walk away from something knowing you you gave your all. And literally, the world would be a better place if we all just did that. Absolutely. Never mind the results of stuff. Well, it's true, man. I mean, I even think, like, you know, if you're I've – always, I've always said this. It's like if you're working the drive-in at McDonald's, be the best at it because yeah. you're going to – you know, you, you – to get to the next level, the promotion management and then management from there, you can move to a different restaurant. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, maybe you're the manager at Morton Steakhouse or, yeah. you know, whatever that looks like. But it's like wherever you are, just be the best. And that's the biggest thing for her. And, and the other thing we really coach her up on is because she can be a little timid. Although once she gets go- once she gets her confidence up, she's aggressive. So it's mm-hmm. like be confident and be aggressive. And mm-hmm. we're always co- coaching her up on that because I think that when kids portray that confidence and aggressiveness on the field, they do have more fun. The yeah. kids that aren't actually active on the field are the ones that aren't having fun. So I think that there is a certain element where you have to motivate them to participate. And for us, I've, I've always found with, with her, I've always found be confident and be aggressive really gets her going. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, I think the, the kids that are really participating at a high level are the ones that are going to have the most fun. So we, we, the same thing applies in our faith walk and then just being like dads and, and workers. Um, the majority of people that I talk to that want a better life or come to me with a problem and they want help, it, it's centered around the idea of inactivity when you should be active and intentional about things. So uh, from a Christian, Christian perspective, especially here in America, too many of us are passive. We, we really enjoy what we're doing amongst ourselves and going to church. And, but but the, the change the world needs doesn't happen because we feel good about what we're doing. Um, and then same thing goes, uh, and I catch myself in this all the time. My wife is the reason I recognize it, is um, my daughter was about six months old, and we had gone on a little camping trip up north. 
and she uh I had played with my daughter so much holding her we were, we were going on little walks and she's a little baby carrier and she's loving nature and we came home and my wife said like man she's looking at you different like she's really connecting with you it's like man that's awesome thank you I felt so good she's like you know why like every time you come home from work you turn on tv or you go play some video games and you know, you don't really do anything with her. And I'm like, no, I do. I play with her. Yeah, you'll play with her for 10 minutes, five, 15 minutes. But then, you know, you'll spend hours doing something that you probably are thinking about wanting to do those things while you're at work. And I'm like, man, that's true. Like, just because I think I'm a good dad or I, I, I do engage with my daughter doesn't mean I, I am. Sure. And so, uh, yeah, same thing goes. A kid could be like, yeah, I'm playing soccer. And then you watch them and they're standing there. Like, no, like, you've you got to be active and you'll always get more out of whatever you're doing, right? Yeah. Um, so I learned a lot of stuff through other people, like my wife and yourself, the people in this program. Uh, it's as much for me as it, it can be for other people too. So somebody wants to sign up for the CCV Stars program. Where do they go? What do they do? What's what's coming up? What's mm-hmm. um, what's what does that look like? So number one place to go to, because <laughs> unfortunately in the youth sports world, there's so much change. Like I could tell you every single service time we're going to have on the weekend two years from now (laughs) here at church. But when it comes to registrations and everything, just ccvstars.com will have everything current. Um, You can sort by the sport, location, like you were mentioning earlier, sharing that. You could find any location to see where you're at on the map. And then um, also an opportunity to call or email us and contact us and talk to us about what what questions someone has about that. So like specifically this winter, we have registration opening on October 1st for, for baseball, t-ball and coach pitch. Um, but then future seasons, it, it'll all be on there and our social media. We have Facebook pe- uh, pages as well. So October 1st is your next signups for mm-hmm. the baseball season. Mm-hmm. So you said it's t-ball coach pitch and baseball. Yeah. Uh, we go up to the fourth grade with that. So it's coach pitch first grade and up. Um, okay. Yeah, man. I'm excited. And then T-ball under that. Okay. Yeah, T-ball for the littlest kids. Okay. It's so fun. Dude, 70 degrees in Phoenix in December. <laughs> I love it. And then how – so how much – so somebody wants to oh, sign yeah. up for um, for T-ball or baseball for the uh, upcoming season. Mm-hmm. That starts when? You said October 1st is registration, yeah. and then the season starts when? First week of the Thanksgiving after, so, okay, so I don't right. have it memorized. That's okay. So right after Thanksgiving yeah. is when the season starts. The season's how long? Uh, this one is about a seven, eight week season because we take a two week break in Christmas time. Okay. So it'll end the end of January. Okay. So a few weeks in December and then all the whole month of January. What's the cost? So a hundred dollars for all of our, all of our sports. It includes, uh, our gray practice shirt, which is optional to wear, but it's what kids can wear at practice. Um, and then, uh, a game uniform, which usually entails a, a top bottom and socks and, um, the one practice a week and one game a week is across the board too for all sports. Okay. And it usually it's an hour for each usually. Yeah. Okay. So practices are an hour. Games are just under an hour basically. Mm-hmm. So again, it's a twice a week commitment, but you're getting a practice and a game as yeah. opposed to just going out and going through fundamentals every week. You're actually learning how to play. Yeah. Game. And there's that separation uh, down to pre-K, which is really cool. Like I said, yeah. I, I, um, you know, prior to that, once a week, we were taking our kids to a sports, you know, like not a sports camp, but, um, you know, a weekly sports mm-hmm. thing. And it's like, they, they learned the drills, but it was just, you know, it was like, ah, we got to get them into games. So yeah. it was a perfect opportunity. 
Um, all right, let's finish with this, man. I, um, especially coming out of COVID, I think, you know, just promoting local. I, one of one of the things I want people to get out of this is just some, you know, wh- where do people go? What, what what do you like to do? So let's start with this. Is there a uh, is there a restaurant that your family likes? <laughs> is there is there a place that's just kind of your go to? Um, that's that's kind of a local spot. So man, there's I don't have enough time to talk about all the food places I love. <laughs> Uh, is there honest, one that's like local, like not like a chain, but yeah. something like that's kind of local, like a local, locally owned that you the, that you really like? The main one, if you talk about food with anyone here at CCV and bring my name up, they're gonna say Chino Bandito. Oh, I've heard of that, but yeah. I haven't been yet. It's it's like a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, it's a hybrid of Mexican, Asian, and um, like Caribbean, like that kind of food. So I've been recommended that place yeah. many, many times and I haven't gone. I have mm-hmm. to, I have to go check that out. So they just cool. moved to bell road and I believe third street. Okay. To a bigger location. They Ch- used to be right here on the corner of 19th Greenway. Chino, Chino ba- bandito. Bandito. Okay. Yeah. So you can get a, a combo bowl where you get beans and rice and they have four types of rice and refried or black beans. And, and then you could get like sweet and sour. They call it Jade red. You can get sweet, sour chicken burrito. You could get a, J, a emerald chicken, like a Caribbean style, like emerald chicken quesadilla. Nice. Like you can you you can mix it up, and they they talk to you at the front, like, hey, yeah, let me explain, because I'm a regular. I can tell them, hey, give me number seven, number thirteen, this, that, this, that, and then they make it pretty fast. But if someone's new, they explain, because it's all hybrid. It's, it's yeah. Build your own food yeah. with those ingredients. Essentially, it's pretty it's pretty cool. Not healthy, because it's a lot of fried stuff and sure. you know rice and beans and stuff. Just like, you know, Mexican food isn't super healthy. So, so you're saying it tastes good? Yeah, it tastes great. Yeah. <laughs> Not healthy, so, so it tastes good. Yeah. Okay. So that's, uh, that's my go. Yeah. Any, nice. If you ask anyone, Lawrence, what's Lawrence's favorite flap? They'll assume it's that. And if, nice. I don't want to, yeah, it it's definitely is. How about, um, are, are there any charities, local charities or anything like that that you support that you, uh, you want to talk about? Yeah. So Phoenix Rescue Mission is something that I'm learning more about uh, in the area. They more information on their website, but for me, it's important because of the work we do here. Um, we're on 19th Avenue and Greenway, and I believe as of a year ago, so I don't know if it's different now, but the most 911 calls for, for things from assaults, drugs, and trafficking happen in this area. And so I love that we have a church here and we're involved here in the community because we, we need to be a resource to send people to where they can go to get help. And Phoenix Rescue Mission helps a lot with hunger and homelessness. Um, they have shelters and programs and things available. And so when people come, part of us being available for the community, we're running our sports, having church, people come all the time asking for assistance and help. And Phoenix Rescue Mission is one of those organizations that we, we send people to knowing that they're going to get the exact care that they need because that's what they do. Um, a lot of people ask why CCV doesn't have a school, why we don't have our own shelter. And there's a lot of things we could be doing, but the reality is there's so many other organizations that are doing those things already. We want to support them and help them. So we'll have serve days where our CCV members and our, and our staff will go to Phoenix Dream Center, to uh, Streetlights, to Phoenix Rescue Mission and so serve them and help them with inventory, help them with a, a, a food day, you know, help them with stuff. And so... Um, that's, that's the big one for me because I'm trying to understand that world a little better, um, because there's so much of a need for people to go there. So they, they do donations, they have service times. And then they also, if anyone knows someone struggling with, with, 
uh, substances or just needs help finding work or a place to stay, like they're usually the first contact that we send, uh, we call and send people to. Right. Yeah. And just, just a side note on that. I remember last year, um, during the COVID year, CCV had a huge fundraiser for mental health, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for folks just struggling with press mental on health campaign, press on campaign, which raised well over a million dollars. I believe I it was, two. It was, was it over two? Yeah. So, and, and I don't remember how many lives were changed through that, but, um, so yeah, one of the things that's really impressive about this particular community here at CCV is that, you know, I remember going to church as a kid and it was all about raising the tithing around, you know, mm-hmm. and passing out around the little bowl, right. And everybody threw their money in their envelopes of checks or whatever inside mm-hmm. of that. And here, you know, it's not, it's not that hard push. And in sometimes it's not raising money for the church at all. It's raising money to somehow help people inside of the community that aren't even members of the church. So, yeah. So yeah. if anyone's wondering about CCV and, and whether we are for the community, like the shirt you have on, we're on a for the Valley campaign right now. We want people to know there's a lot of things that we all dislike and can be against as people, as humans but we're for the Valley. Like, what are we for? What do we support? Um, And so that initiative goes up through November and Christmas. Um, There's more to come for that. But in the past, we did the More Than Us campaign as well, where we we said to the church, hey, you know, we we have tithes and offerings that we get weekly. For these two to three weeks, we are, every single penny that goes in will go to a separate account and it will go to support other churches in the Valley because we want to reach the entire Valley, but we literally, we know we can't. Uh, it has to be a, a joint effort for of, of other other churches. So uh, there's churches, uh, people that serve here as coaches in our program that they go to other churches. They're like, man, we have a whole new kids building and an actual parking lot now where we were parking in the dirt. And now our church is so much better. And p- when people are excited and come, or we're growing now and we got some funding from the Morning Us campaign. It's like, oh, cool. Like, like that's what it was for. And then the Press On campaign, yeah, tens of thousands of people, even people from out of state that just knew someone here could, at the time, they could, uh, they could text in and get help uh, and resources sent to them for counseling where we were paying for a lot of people's counseling and at least supporting a lot of it. So that's all just in the past couple of years. And yep. it's in the response to shut down from COVID, right? So you're going to see really who people are. And we're not perfect. There's a lot of things we can work on and get better at. But we're going to continue to strive for that because we lean heavily on the community. We're not looking down at everyone saying, hey, come do what we're doing. Be like us. We're, we're in there. Like, I'm, I'm on the field with you. I'm in the classroom with, with, the, with the teachers. We're at the shelter with the Phoenix Rescue Mission people. So that's, that's the only way we're really going to make a difference. Dude, I'm super honored to have you on as guest number one, man. <laughs> Thanks, this, man. Is, this is awesome. Super yeah. informative. And you know what? I, I think like one of the, one of the craziest things is things that, that come out of a conversation like this that you didn't even think of, that you didn't actually think would go there. Like for, for me, I, I think just touching on the fact that parents actually need to be coached a little bit on how to coach their kids mm-hmm. to prepare was, was a huge thing. So, man, again, just really, really honored to have you on as guest number one. Yeah, thank you. I'm Absolutely. Glad to be here. Yeah, and then um, if you're listening to the audio version, make sure you go onto the YouTube channel. Once we hit 100 subscribers, um, that will be youtube.com forward slash interviews with Arizonans. Right now, you can just um, 
go on to YouTube, put in the search bar interviews with Arizonans to pull up episodes again, go on, subscribe and, um, and click, you know, smash the bell next to the subscribe button. So every time we do a new, um, great podcast interview, you get that information. And again, if you subscribe, we can, um, we can create that domain there. Um, Hey, we'll see you all next time. Thanks for, thanks for popping in. If you enjoyed this show, remember to subscribe if you haven't already and share this interview. You never know when you might change a life. If you'd like to get involved in the conversation, you can watch this full podcast episode in our Interviews with Arizonans YouTube channel and engage by liking, sharing, asking questions, and commenting on this or any other interview on YouTube. Thanks for listening to Interviews with Arizonans. Remember, keep asking questions until you get the real answers. We'll see you next time.